Well, church, I'm so thankful for many things today, uh, but especially thankful that we have so many of our teens with us here. That's an awesome thing, don't you think? I'm so glad to have them in here with us today. They're, of course, uh, typically at the Annex at this hour, but they decided to uh, join us, and I think that's just awesome. And Ella Schweikert is here with us, and Ella is going to read some scripture for us as we, uh, as we come into the time of the Word. So, Ella? Look at my servant, whom I strengthen. He is my chosen one who pleases me. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. He will bring justice to all who have been wronged. He will not falter or lose heart until justice prevails throughout the earth. Even distant lands beyond the sea will wait for his instruction. God the Lord created the heavens and stretched them out. He created the earth and everything in it. He gives breath to everyone, life to everyone who walks the earth. And it is he who says, I the Lord have called you to demonstrate my righteousness. I will take you by the hand and guard you, and I will give you to my people Israel as a symbol of my covenant with them. And you will be a light to guide the nations. You will open the eyes of the blind. You will free the captives from prison, releasing those who sit in dark dungeons. I am the Lord. This is my name. I will not give my glory to anyone else, nor share my praise with carved idols. Everything I prophesy has come true, and I will prophesy again. I will tell you the future before it happens. Amen. Thank you, Ella. Thank you so much. You can take that right over there. It's the word of God from the prophet Isaiah. And he prophesies to us about the one in whom our hope is. It's Jesus Christ. He's the one, it says, who's come to set the captives free, to bring freedom to the entire world. That's what Jesus came to do. And so this Christmas season, we're talking about what it means to experience not an almost Christmas, but an altogether Christmas. And today I want to talk to you about a hope, an altogether hope. Not just like a, a temporal kind of hope, you know, that's, that's okay, but I'm talking about a hope that is much, much bigger because an altogether hope is a hope for all people. For all people. Let me explain. We, we oftentimes talk about things that we hope for, right? Maybe you're here today and you could have a list of, of some of your hopes, right? Like maybe uh, some of you were really hoping that a certain college football team would have a chance to redeem themselves. And I don't know if a miracle happened or not, but that may be a possibility now, right? Or maybe you were hoping you were driving recently and you kind of buzzed by a speed trap, right? And you were hoping they wouldn't write you a ticket, right? Just please, <laughs> hoping that they don't give me a ticket. Maybe you're hoping that there will be snow on Christmas. Or maybe you're hoping you won't see snow all winter long in Cincinnati, Maybe you are hoping that the Bengals win and the Steelers lose. Maybe you're hoping that the pastor has a short sermon today. We call these things wishes, really. Because when you think about them, they're, they're all fine, right? They're all fine, but, but in reality, they're, they're more something I just wish for because something I personally would like to see. It's not so much for the world or everybody else around me, except maybe the sermon one, it's at least for some people here, uh, but it's, it's really kind of centered around me and what I want. And, 
And I'm not saying that those are bad or evil things, but we're talking about a hope that is much, much deeper than that. An altogether hope that is a life-changing kind of hope. John Wesley brought hope to people in England. In, in those days, uh, the churches would proclaim the gospel just in the church. That's just how it happened. They didn't really take the gospel out beyond the walls all that much. And Wesley saw so many people who needed to know about Jesus. And he saw people who were, who were hungry, people who were needy, people who didn't know about the good news about Jesus, people who were addicted. And he went out to right where they were at. He'd preach the gospel right outside of the mines when they would get off of work. He'd preach the gospel right outside the taverns where they, they would go to have a good time. He would, he would go to where the poor were at, and he would provide food and clothing and all this kind of stuff. These are our roots as, as followers of Jesus here in, in the Methodist tradition. And, and I believe that that's the kind of hope that God calls us to have and to share with the world around us. So as you sit here this morning, I ask you this. How's your hope level today? Like if you had like a gauge, you know, like you got on your fuel tank, how, how, where would that be for you in terms of hope in the Lord? I believe, I believe that the Lord wants, us to, meet, wants to meet us here today. I really believe that. And, and I wonder, maybe some of us have come in and, and we're full of hope for many good reasons. Hey, thanks be to God. That's awesome. I pray that God would continue to increase your hope. Maybe you're here and it's different though. Maybe you're here and you're saying, you know, honestly, my, my hope tank is feeling pretty empty. There's just been a lot of tough stuff lately. Or there's been things I wanted to see, I prayed for, I desired, I worked for, all these kind of things, and I'm just not seeing them. I don't know that I, I, don't know that I really have that much hope. I believe, that, I believe that God can and will meet us here today. I expect that. I expect that when we, when we ask the Lord to be with us, when we worship him, that when we ask that the Holy Spirit would move in our lives, I believe that he does. I really do. And I believe, friend, that God wants to increase your hope today. Not just a, a temporal, almost kind of hope. I'm talking a big, altogether kind of hope. God's been known to do that kind of thing, you know? In fact, he did it over 2,000 years ago. We just heard a prophecy about Jesus' birth. And now let me tell you the story that Isaiah was prophesying about, about how Jesus would be born, how Jesus would come into this world. Luke chapter 1, verse 26, an angel came and surprised a very young woman named Mary. She probably was a teenager at the time. In the sixth month of Elizabeth, that was her aunt's, her aunt's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Okay, so here you got Mary. She's engaged. She's excited. She, they're planning a wedding. They're dreaming about the future. Her fiance is this carpenter. His name is Joseph, right? So there's so much hope and dreams and excitements and expectations. This is where she is. Well, her excitement is going to transform pretty quickly here in the next verse. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. 
Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now, this is pretty wild, right? I mean, you're, you're just going along. You, you imagine just kind of normal life, right? You're doing your thing, and an angel shows up and, and says this stuff to you. You know, greetings. Uh, the Lord favors you. Uh, the Lord, don't be afraid. You found favor with the Lord. So in other words, God's here with you. God's not mad at you. In fact, God's very happy with you. This is an awesome day, right? Johnny, tell her what she's won, right? This is great news. That's a reference to an old show, by the way, for those of you who are like, hmm, Johnny, anyway. It's older than me, I think, regardless. So here's Mary, but it sounded different to her than it does to us. Because if you imagine Mary in this position, well, verse 31, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He'll be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, we know and we love this story. We know the end of the story. We know all the pieces, right? So to us, we're like, Mary, your life just got awesome. I mean, if you, if you could only see, people are going to be talking about you for thousands of years, right? You are going to be one of the most revered and respected women in all of history, right? But she can't see that at the moment. That's, that's beyond where she's at right now. She is a young girl who's engaged and you need to remember that in their society, like sex outside of marriage, this is a capital crime, right? You, you get put to death for this. So here's a young virgin named Mary, and the angel's like, hey, good news, you're going to be pregnant here, right? Like, and you're going to have a son, he's going to be a king, and all this stuff. He's like, well, time out, time out. I, I, I'm engaged, this is, this is not great news. Verse 34, Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. Then he gives her a miraculous sign. Verse 36, what's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she's conceived a son and now is in her sixth month. For the word of the Lord will never fail. So your Aunt Elizabeth, right, who everybody says she'll never get pregnant, she'll never have a baby. Guess what? She's like six months pregnant now, Mary. This is happening because God can work miracles. And God can do things that are bigger than you understand right now. And God wants to work through you. God wants to do things in you. Maybe that's a message for some of us in a different way today. That maybe God wants to do things in and through us that we never thought possible. How do we respond? We might say, well, I don't know. That's, that's a lot, right? I, could we choose somebody else? I mean, this, this is going to be awkward explaining to Joseph, mom and dad, and my friends. Like, could we choose somebody else? It's not what Mary said. 38. Mary responded, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you said about me come true. Huh. Remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? The other end of his life. And he prays this prayer and he says, yet not what I want, Father, 
people what you want. It's like he got it from his mama here, right? Not my will, but yours. Or I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. It's an incredible response. That doesn't mean it was an easy response or an easy journey. Again, we look back at these stories, and, and, and we know how great they are, but we can easy, easily miss the difficulties in the stories. Mary now has to go tell her fiancé, who she's not slept with, that she's pregnant. <laughs> That's going to be awkward. She's got to tell mom and dad. She's got to tell her friends, right? And, and it didn't always go so well, right? Joseph, you remember, was ready to, to break up with her, right? To do this quietly, to avoid shaming her and him and all this stuff. Then when it comes time, of course, Joseph, thankfully, the angel appeared to him and clarifies a few details and we're going to be okay here. But then it comes time for the birth, right? And they have to go to Bethlehem, which is at least like four days away on a donkey, Nine months pregnant, four-day journey, four journey on a donkey, that's rough. That's hard times right there. And then, then after the baby's born, of course, they're going to have to flee to Egypt. They're going to live in Egypt like three years because the king there in, in Israel wants to kill the baby, right? That's hard too. And, and I mean, when you look at even just the details that night where Jesus is born, right? They, uh, there's not even like a place for them to go. You would have thought, right? You would have thought that the Son of God is coming down to this earth. He's going to be born, right? We would have thought that like one of the more administratively minded angels could have been on this, right? Like, can't we make a reservation or something? Can't we at least go to Airbnb.com or something like that and like, you know, get a place for him? Jesus is coming. We should at least have a spot. Nope, we don't do it. Why? Why? Did God not go to details? What? No. Sometimes, sometimes we have to go through hard things in life. We do. And we get this idea sometimes that if it's of the Lord, it must be easy. Because God's all powerful. We can do anything, right? So if he's going to do it, it's going to be done well. It's going to be easy for us. It's just going to be nice and smooth. But that's not always the way that it is. Sometimes it's really difficult. Sometimes it's really difficult. And sometimes we may struggle with this, but God understands difficulty. Because God has left heaven, come down to this earth, has experienced all these things and so much more. So he understands what it's like to go through tough times. If your version of hope in God requires life to always go easy, my friend, you don't have much hope in God. Because sometimes it's going to go difficult. Sometimes things are going to be difficult. So I ask you today, in your life, what keeps you going when the storms of life are blowing? What keeps you going? What, what is it deep down inside of you that when life is hard, when the tests are hard, when the teachers are difficult, when, when the work at, at your job is too much, when your family is challenging, when circumstances are challenging, what keeps you going? Because the storms of life are going to blow. And, you know, Mary and Joseph show us how God chose an incredibly difficult way to come into this world, he gets it. 
He knows. He knows what it's like. Jesus came into the world, a world that was under cruel Roman oppression. Jesus came into a world where there had been 400 years of prophetic silence, over 400 years since things like what Ella read earlier. We haven't had that kind of prophecy. People had given up. Many people had given up. He came into a difficult world. But you know, God is faithful in hard times because when things are not hard, when things are easy, I don't know about you, but, but I tend to have a lot of faith and trust in myself when things are easy because I assume that they must be easy because I'm doing the right things. They must be easy because I know what I'm doing. They must be easy because I'm working pretty hard. They must be easy because something with me. <laughs> we have that pride thing going on, right? And it's a tough one. It's a tough one to tackle. It's in the hard times. It's in the hard times that we more commonly look to the Lord. And that's not how it should be. That's just, I'm talking about me here. It's much easier for me to rely on the Lord when times are tough than when things are always going my way. Sometimes, sometimes we will be called to do hard things. Sometimes we'll be called to step out of our comfort zone. Sometimes God will teach us hope the hard way. Some of us, we, we have to learn things the hard way, right? Anybody in here have to learn things the hard way sometimes? Yep, yep. Ladies, if your husband's hand not in the air, please raise it for them, right? It's just, it's, it's in our DNA. We, we often have to learn things the hard way, going through hard times. Maybe you're in a season where things are hard. You're in the midst of a storm, and there's a lot of chaos and craziness going on. And you're hearing this sermon, you're like, John, you, do, you don't get it. You don't understand what I'm going through right now. You don't understand how much the wind and the waves are blowing in my life right now. Maybe for you, maybe the only thing anchoring your life right now is your hope in God. Well, there's this old preacher saying that goes, when you're down to nothing, God is up to something. I like that. When you're down to nothing, when you're hitting rock bottom, when you feel like your life is falling apart, it's messed up, others have let you down, you've let you down, your decisions or other decisions have, are hurting, maybe you're here and you don't feel like there's a lot of hope today, God is up to something. And I'm not saying that God has caused all those bad things in your life. I don't know that. I, I, I tend to think God uses difficult things, oftentimes things that we bring into our lives, that he uses them to help us. But I know that God wants to show up as your anchor in the storm. If all you've got is your faith to anchor you, friend, you're not in bad position. You've got something that is deeper than the problems and difficulties of this world. You've got something that is bigger than just those things. You've got a hope that is in something real. You see, hope, my friends, is the best anchor for our motion-sick souls. If you're feeling sick because of the storm, if you're feeling sick because of all the pain and difficulty and all that stuff, our hope in the Lord, it's like an anchor. 
an anchor, it, it goes down through the waves, it goes down through that storm, goes down through all that stuff, and, and it digs into something solid. And, and I want to challenge you today to have a hope that is anchored in your relationship with God. Because that's something that never changes. There's all sorts of things in your life that change all the time. But we can have hope in the Lord, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because the question is, what is our hope in? I mean, we've all got hope. That's why you get out of bed in the morning. You got hope for something or other. But what is your hope in? When, when things go poorly, is, is your hope in your job? Maybe you're really, really good at your job. So when everything else is messed up, like, you can have hope in that. And, hey, job is a great thing. It's a great thing to invest into that. But jobs can go up and down. Sometimes you can even lose them. You got to have hope in something more than that. Or maybe you're in the position where, where money's not really a, a big problem for you. Maybe you've even made enough that you don't have to worry about money anymore. Hey, rock on, congratulations. But if that's what your hope is in, friend... There's a lot of things in this world that money, you can't, just can't buy your way out of. Money can't solve all the problems of this world. And at the end of the day, someday you, me, and everybody else are going to lie in a casket or be cremated unless Jesus comes back first. And the money isn't going to mean much at that point. It's got to be something deeper than that. Maybe you have hope in your friendships. Friends are great. We need them. Maybe it's hope in your family. Family's great, important. But they're all humans, so they're all going to let you down at times. It's just a fact. You need something more than just these things. You need a hope that goes down deeper, a hope that is rooted in so much deeper than just that. And, and our hope in Jesus Christ is that anchor. Paul talks about this kind of hope in Romans 8. It says this, Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that God will later reveal to us. For all of creation is eagerly waiting for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all of creation was subject to God's curse. Okay, we're going back Garden of Eden here, right? That our sin, it impacted the whole world, right? Brought this curse upon all of creation. But with an eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for, the for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he's promised to us. We were given this hope when we were saved. Then Paul gives us this parenthetical note. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But we look forward to something we don't yet have. We must wait patiently and confidently. If you've already got something, in other words, you don't have to hope for it, right? And, and so here in this world, we can know Jesus. We can experience him, his love, his grace, his forgiveness. It's a free gift that he offers to us. We just have to ask him into our life. And we begin to experience hope in the Lord and relationship with God. And then we grow in this relationship as we give ourselves more and more to him. 
as we read the Word, as we, as we come together and we worship God, as we spend time uh, praying to God, as, as we, as we uh, participate in our life groups or in our youth group or children's ministry, all these things, we, we grow in our faith and we become more and more and more like Jesus Christ. And that's awesome. But it's not the fullness yet, right? It's, it's the beginning, and, and we keep growing through this. It's a lifelong thing, but we're looking forward. We have a hope in something even greater. We have a hope in a God who wants to redeem all of creation. We're talking, it says in the Bible, a new heaven, a new earth. We're talking no more sin, no more sadness, no more sorrow, no more pain. We're talking that the problems of this world are no more an eternity in heaven with the Lord. That's a that's a real hope. That's a real hope. And, and so it's something that we continue to grow into throughout our lives. So how's your hope today? How's your hope when God seems silent? How's your hope in the midst of pain, in the midst of disappointment? You know, friends, it's been said that disappointment is the doorway to a deeper hope. Because when we experience disappointment, it reminds us that we're not there yet. That we need to grow more and more and more in our relationship with Jesus. And that we look forward to his kingdom come, his will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we're looking for. So do you still have hope when the bank account's running low? Do you have, still have hope when the test doesn't go as you thought it would? Do you still have hope when, do you still have hope in the Lord when your, your kids disappoint you, when your parents disappoint you, when your teachers disappoint you, when your boss disappoints you, when your friends disappoint you? Do you still have hope? If not, Friend, you've got your hope in the wrong thing. And if you're going through difficulty today, I want you to know that the Lord is here for you. The Lord wants you to have hope. He wants to give you a hope. And he is going to be with you through these hard circumstances. I know it because we see it all through Scripture, right? We see all through Scripture, we see times where there seemed to be no hope, and yet God made a way where there was no way. God, like, look at Moses in the Old Testament, right? Moses is leading the people out of Egypt, right? And they get to the Red Sea. Does God send them around the Red Sea? Nope, because if they walked around the Red Sea, they would think they did it on their own, right? No, God says, I want you to trust in me, so I'm gonna take you right through the sea, because you can't do that on your own. And God brings us through situations, through problems, through pains, in ways that we couldn't do on our own. Or look at Gideon, right? He starts off with this army of like 32,000 people. God's like, you're not going to battle like this because if you win with that big army, you're gonna say that you did it, right? So we're gonna shrink that thing down to like 300 people, right? And, and you and, and 300 of your best friends, Gideon, you're gonna go in and you're gonna win and you're gonna know it wasn't you, it was me, it was God. It was God at work. And Saul, you got that big giant Goliath. He's, he's taunting you. He's mocking you, all this stuff. Well, we're going to defeat Goliath, but let me tell you, it's not going to be one of your strong guys. It's not even going to be little David wearing your armor. No, we're going to send a kid out there with no armor, a little slingshot, right? Because when he takes out Goliath, 
everybody's going to know that it was the power of the Lord that did that. That's the God who we serve. That's the God who cares. That's the God who we have our hope in. That's the kind of God who gives us an altogether hope, an altogether hope. So I have hope for this, and I want you to have that kind of hope as well, a hope, a hope that is seen in the midst of problems and difficulties. And at the end of the day, I don't know exactly how all of life's problems are going to be solved, but I know who I'm going to trust in. I don't know exactly when all of the challenges are, are going to be, the challenges I'm going through now, that they're going to be taken care of, but I know who I'm going to put my faith in, and that's Jesus Christ. He's the anchor of our faith. So God, we need you. Every hour we need you. And I pray that today that you would give us a hope that is supernatural, a hope that is bigger than the problems that we're facing, a hope that is greater than the limitations that we face, a hope that gives us the faith to trust in you, God. God, I pray for the one who might be even ready to give up today. Lord, give them the hope. Give them the hope that you're going to see them through this storm. You've done it before, God, and I pray that you would do it again.